to NSFP podcast, a humorous podcast about humanities research. I'm Anna. And I'm Althea. And today we've got Sam. Hello. Sam, could you possibly tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I did my undergraduate and master's degrees at Keele University and I took a year out where I worked at Keele University and now I'm at Manchester. Now I'm here at the University of Manchester. I am studying the local commissions and the states of women in America uh, and I'm really happy to be in Manchester because not only was I, I was born here years and years ago, but uh, I worked in Manchester back in 2012 and I did a journalism course as well. So it's quite nice to be back in the city after a few years break, get to kind of see it again, you know, learn where everywhere is, see what's different and also be in a different part of the city and in a completely different studying environment as well. How did you kind of come across your topic? How did you come to be studying that? Uh, well, when I was applying for my master's back in the beginning of 2016, I was kind of frantically searching for topics. I knew I wanted to do a master's, I just didn't know what to do with. And I kept reading about what was called the President's Commission on the Status of Women, which was established in 1961 by JFK. And it's something that rarely comes up in JFK biographies. And I've read a lot of JFK biographies. And I just kind of thought to myself, well, I didn't know anything about it. It sounds like a really interesting topic, something that a lot of scholars have overlooked. So I just decided to... to, uh, go with that really and afterwards I kind of started to find that the narrative wasn't so much about what the politicians were doing it was more about how grassroots women's rights activists and grassroots feminist activists pressured lawmakers into establishing what were called commissions on the status of women there was a commission on the federal level the president's commission from 1961 to 63 and then by 1967 every single state had their own commissions and Following that, cities, counties, etc., they, they established local commissions on the status of status for women, which has become my topic of the PhD. Clearly, I am American. You know that, by mm. the way. I talk, but I've I've always wondered what makes people who aren't American want to study mm. the United States. Uh, well, I I, I honestly think it all started when I was very young, one of the first DVDs we actually bought was the Oliver Stone movie called JFK. <laughs> and um, I never watched it because it's quite a violent film. So as a kid, I never saw it. But as I got older, I was just very aware of this biography, uh, DVD being there. And as I got older, I watched the movie and then thinking year seven, when I was about 11 years old, I did a little presentation in front of my class, history class, about the Kennedy assassination. And I think that was kind of, for me, the, the moment that kind of my interest in American history kind of exploded and I kind of found it much more interesting than uh, British history, honestly. And I think I just kind of got, by, you know, a few years after that with the election of Barack Obama as well and everyone talking about that, I just kind of think my interest in American politics and American history started to, you know, increase from those from that moment, really. Yeah, I guess, I guess an outside perspective is helpful because... I just get really stressed whenever I think of American mm. politics, and so I feel I have a duty to vote, but I really don't like keeping up with it. So, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you have, if you're not all, I guess, tied up with that, mm. having that be your cultural identity in a way, then I guess it's much easier to look at. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, uh, you know, I have a, a lot of friends in America as well, so there's kind of that pers- sort of personal aspect to it as well. Obviously, you sort of read the news, and it's like seems very crazy political situation over there at the moment but yeah I suppose being detached from it I don't you know I suppose if I was writing about the British political system as well and you know kind of you know Brexit and everything like that um Labour and Tory I suppose I'd probably be a bit more kind of 
passionate about it and sort of there isn't that disconnect that I think well, is quite important in history. I mean, it's good to be passionate about your subject, but yeah, like you say, having that kind of outsider perspective, I think is quite helpful. I'm dealing with right now with my research, I'm just kind of like, well, I wish I wish I didn't have an opinion on this. And mm. It's kind of like, well, it's if you didn't have an opinion, that would be a disadvantage. But it's also a disadvantage to have an opinion. Mm. You have to ask yourself, you know, if you were from another planet, what would you be doing? Right. It's like, well, it, I, I would probably do this because this seems to be true. We'll do that then instead of thinking about, like, how this makes you feel when it's very, I guess, in a way it can be self reflective and self-critical and that that's quite uncomfortable for me but right yeah what, what is your research topic um, my research topic is different ways of presenting difficult heritage in okay. museums right so when right. you get into difficult heritage um i think especially racialized difficult heritage mm. um you know as a white american woman it can you can have some i mean i identify as white and that's and so it's just kind of like, okay, this is where I identify. Clearly, there's a lot of problems here, and I have to deal with, and then I have to do my research looking and analyzing all of this when I am part of this, not the problem, mm. but I'm part of this whole web myself. So, Right, yeah, that's very interesting, yeah. That's a fascinating <laughs> talk. I'd love to learn more about your talk, actually. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I really love this story about JFK DVD though because oh. <laughs> I, I know about kind of your interest in JFK mm. has been long present in your life and you've written your master's dissertation topic which is, sounds amazing. Thank you. <laughs> sounds like you had great fun about working on it and mm. can you possibly tell us a little bit about that because that sounds really interesting what well, the, the masters yes. this session um so essentially what, what i did was uh, there's there's two parts to it the first part was about the president's commission on the status of women and the second part was about the north carolina commission on the status of women um and i chose north carolina um Primarily because I did study abroad there and a lot of my friends are from there. So I just kind of thought, oh, you know, my master's supervisor said, well, why don't you pick a case study? And I thought, oh, well, why not go with North Carolina see what's there? And kind of completely by accident, I feel like I hit the motherland. <laughs> like, it was the perfect state to choose by accident because there was a huge kind of um, grassroots women's rights movement um, and women's rights that includes kind of liberal women and conservative women as well because they were both fighting for what they identified as their rights um, and it's kind of culminated in 1960 where every single candidate running for the governor of North Carolina thought it absolutely essential to have like a, a women for this candidate election so Terry Sanford who was eventually won he had a very strong women's for women for Sanford campaign committee and essentially when he got into office this committee kind of continued and kept pressuring him into doing things and it kind of eventually it led to the commission on the status of women in north carolina which um in terms of policy change there wasn't much impact but kind of what it represented really in a southern american state that in 1920 had rejected the suffrage amendment and then in the 1970s later it would reject the equal rights amendment but you can kind of still see it's you know this kind of example i think it's not just as simplistic as oh equal suffrage equal rights amendments defeated therefore north carolina is an anti-feminist state actually look beneath that 
there's this different ways to interpret women's rights and feminism and how it operates and that's kind of what the new the way the new scholarship was going as well so I was kind of really happy that I chose North Carolina completely by accident uh, not by plan at all but it was you know I was really lucky in that respect <laughs> yeah it's good when you when you hit on something and you're like wow that's that's really a blessing that I picked that because I didn't know that there was anything there, but there is something there. Right, yeah, And now exactly. I have something. Yeah, yeah, and you, you can kind of, I'd love to just say, oh yeah, yeah, I knew all about it, and that's why I deliberately chose North Carolina, but <laughs> I wasn't that smart about it, obviously, <laughs> so. I mean, luck is very important, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, and I'm sure every single academic has had, you know, just been lucky <laughs> at some point with case studies, but yeah. <laughs> So we also talk a little bit in every episode about well-being and about kind of your ways of coping mm. with your first year and how you're going about it. And could you possibly tell us a little bit about your well-being and support strategy? Yeah, well, it's been it's been it's been very it's been very good. I feel like the university is very supportive, and um, it, you know, it's very obvious where you can go to help. Uh, thankfully, I've always been all right. There have been moments where you know I have just felt like, you know throwing my pen at the, in the book out the window and just like marching out and saying I can't do this I'm sure we've all gone through that there have been a couple of days where I just just nothing happened and I just had to like play video games or watch movies or something and then suddenly it like randomly clicks oh oh you know <laughs> something's you working up there yeah but, feel so lazy when you're like I worked yeah. for four hours today and I couldn't think anymore and that's not the eight hours I'm supposed to be working exactly and, yeah yeah oh well and, and most of my friends, including my flatmates, they, they work full-time jobs as well. So it's like, like, when I do three or four hours reading and I'm, you know, oh, I can't do any more and they do eight-hour days, it's a bit like, oh, gosh, you know, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, well, research is constantly happening in your head and I think yes. allowing yourself to take some time off is, is quite important. It's, we'll find out how that works out in three years' time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we will find out. <laughs> yeah. me story about my uncle um who decided to do a social experiment on himself by buying this mcdonald's promotion and he said it was like it was supposed to be like the the most delicious sauce in the world he's like i'll just buy one and then i'll resist it and it'll be a social experiment well the next time we go to his house there's like an entire bowl of these sauces (laughs) so when you do a social experiment on yourself it doesn't always work out so well but we hope that um we'll find out in a good way that we've been on the right track yes yeah that's (laughs) that's i also feel like spending money on something and not using it is a bit of a waste Mm, yes it is oh no he he bought this he wasn't buying a meal he only bought the sauce so he had an entire bowl of these sauces and he was using it on everything in his house (laughs) why not (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um it is, it is quite important to take some time off and yeah. to relax, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I was told by, um, a, you know, a, a lecturer at Keele University where I did my master's and undergraduate, and it was kind of like, just have cut off times as well. So, like, you know, I, I, I never do anything on my PhD after, like, five, six o'clock. Weekends are completely free. I will not think about it. I will just watch, you know, I love horror movies, so I will watch horror movies, read a, read a book, play video games, and eat lots of rubbish food. But then Monday comes around, so then, you know, you kind of like, you know, get back in the swing of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Well, I'm, I'm lucky in terms of Monday 9 a.m. I'm auditing the module. Ah. Uh, so, so then I kind of have to get oh, back into good. it and I have to right. get back into the swing of things. Yeah, that is lucky, yeah. <laughs> it, it does force me because um, it's different modules, but they both start at 9 a.m. last term and they start and I've been, I've been really lucky. That is way. good, yeah. Because I, I do think that is quite, uh, I find anyways, the, the PhD here, it's quite odd that they're, you know, you are just kind of given that free reign to just, you know, I don't have to take any modules, so I'm just kind of told by my supervisors, you know, oh, you know, come back and see us in a month's time and we'll tell you how you're doing. Yeah. And that, when I first started, felt very odd because even at my master's, even though it was only like a few hours a week teaching, at least there was some kind of structure to build my research around. Whereas right now I'm kind of like, you know, no one's taking a register and, you know, all this sort of stuff. So that was, that was something I felt was kind of really odd to get used to. So, you know, it's good that you've got the modules. <laughs> I feel yeah, like I should yeah, do something like that, nice. really. It's, My yeah. supervisor was like, so you know nothing about resource methods. I'm like, well... I know a little bit what I did in my bachelor's thesis, but they didn't tell me about ethics, so I had to throw all that research out, and they're like, we're running a series for master's students. You can go to all of uh, these lectures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my lectures are at, like, 4 p.m., so... Okay, yeah. No yeah. motivation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Worst time as well, because you just feel like you want to go home by 4 o'clock, don't you? But, yeah. You know, it's, it's quite good, though. You know, um, it's kind of, you know, finding conferences to speak at and just going to seminars. And, like, when, you know, you, you've got the postgraduate um, talk coming up, haven't you, this week? So, like, you know, just also going to things like that as well, I think, is quite important. Just so you don't... Your, your work isn't just you sat at a computer or with a book. It's also kind of contributing to the research culture at the university as well i think that's quite good and you just meet people as well because it can be very isolating at times being a you know phd student i think well this is why i kind of like coming into well ellen wilkinson actually doing that a lot more because i get to meet people and check in on them and if anyone looks like they're about to cry <laughs> usually me <laughs> <laughs> You can talk about things and not cry on your own. Yeah. You should have seen me when I got my comments from the absentee reviewer right before I went to my midterm review. Like, I've seen you. I've seen you. You, you complained to me. <laughs> no, but you didn't see me like angrily whispering at the computer screen and like yeah. doing all that stuff. I'm like, I don't care who sees me. I'm so angry at this person. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there is that kind of element as well. I always say like with people who don't know, you've done all the legwork and then people still criticise it even though it's not their field of research you do kind of there i always feel like there is this kind of like well what do you know attitude that comes from kind of underlying uh all the feedback i get on something i mean not obviously all the feedback's positive it's never harsh it's always very constructive yeah. but you do i know you know there is that kind of when you put your heart and soul it feels like into something and then it still gets oh improve it this way <laughs> you just feel like if you had read it carefully enough you would not think it was unclear <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but <laughs> it's the nature of the work isn't it <laughs> can always be clearer and that's that's kind of the problem with yeah. language because very often you read things that have been published mm. that you're like oh my goodness how have you been allowed to publish something that is <laughs> exactly like that? yeah yeah um, and it, it gets very confusing especially when it's kind of more recent things right um yeah but, um, <laughs> I read one article i don't know when mm -hmm. but instead of museum professionals it kept using the term museum men i'm like how did this get published why did someone really? not say like it's like museum men it's just like what, what? it's like this was published in 2002 it's like 
How did that happen? I was, I was just about to say, what century? It's 2002. That's, I, think it, yeah. it, it, I don't know if it was like the, the 90s or something. E- either way, it was like, that's not even a term, number one. And yeah, number two, yeah. how did this get through the review process? <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, recently, I read an article that made two typos in two words. And, like, and I was just like, oh my goodness, how, how did you... How did it get through the review process? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it was quite a useful, like, article in general, but the typos is what you remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you just, yeah, it's like, can you know, sort of like a seed of doubt gets planted there, doesn't it? Like, can we trust the rest of this article if they're using ridiculous terms or they've got typos in or something like that, you know? But it's, uh, yeah, it's like, I've never really come across anything like that. I mean, I've come across the occasional typo, but most of the time, you kind of read something and it's like what on earth you know why are you using ridiculously long words when you know <laughs> like why why are your sentences yeah. about a paragraph long and you know, like <laughs> you please write at a 10th to 12th grade reading level because that's yeah. what we like to read exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so every episode we ask our guests to tell us something funny they found in their research Sam, do you have anything for us? Well, probably not laugh out loud, but obviously the the, the work I'm looking at, commissions, government commissions, um, you know, essentially, you know, a politician appoints a commission and they investigate something and recommend solutions. That's kind of like the general standard political science definition of them. Uh, so I spent all last semester pretty much reading about and coming up with definition a definition of commissions and one day in early December I got back home just turned on the TV and like I normally do watch the chase and then I watch the Simpsons to unwind and the episode of the Simpsons it starts with the mayor of the town establishing a local commission <laughs> and I just couldn't believe what I was watching I just couldn't believe that this was actually happening you know <laughs> so what you can get to quote Simpsons did you exactly, quote Simpsons yeah. in your research Ah uh, no, I didn't. Oh. No, alas, not not in that, not in that literature. But I'm I'm sure there is definitely, you know, something to be said here about you know commissions in The Simpsons. That would be a brilliant paper. It'd but be you know, great. <laughs> yeah, it could so, be an article. It could and, be, yeah. And the the good thing about it is the fact that Simpsons can increase the amplitude of your research. Exactly, people will see Simpsons and think, ah, I'm I'm interested now because like, <laughs> if it's just said commissions by established by governments, no one would care. I probably wouldn't care, and I probably wrote the paper. So you know. <laughs> Simpsons are kind of a cultural critique. So <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure somebody has done a PhD or something about the pol- political system in the Simpsons <laughs> and like all this kind of stuff. But, but so. the, the role of men in the Simpsons. Well, yeah, that, that yeah. would be really interesting. It probably would be, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mayor Quimby would definitely be a good, <laughs> good case study. But I mean, I would be more interested in how does their hair work because it confuses oh, yes. me so much. Yeah, some people have hair with colour, and others just have like yeah. I mean, lines. It's it's. Yeah. And Lisa's hair is like part of her skull. That, that, that yeah. hair has always confused me the most. Yes, it has. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming, Sam. Thank you for having um, me. It's been good fun. Thank you very much, Alfia, for co-hosting. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was great having you, Sam. Thank you. So thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Don't tell your supervisor what you heard here. What happens on the podcast stays on the podcast. Not Safe for Publication is a new podcast about the lighter side of humanities research at the University of Manchester. 
If you're a humanities researcher who has something funny to share, please be in touch with us at nsfppodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at NSFP Podcast. Have an adequately happy existence.